Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Camillo de Guzman, who is the chairman or newly elected chairman of Asil Carcana, the Colombian um, Cannabis Association and Association of Producers, as well as the EVP and general counsel for Natuero, one of the leading Colombian um, cannabis companies. Welcome aboard, Camillo. Thank you. It's uh, delighted to be to be here and to be able to share some of the insights with regards to the Colombian market. Yeah, I mean, the Colombian market's been one that, uh, you know, has developed very nicely in many ways over the last few years. Obviously, there was a lot of money invested in the marketplace waiting for exports to open up. And Asol Calcana has been key in helping uh, work with the government with regards to guiding the legislative changes necessary to support the industry. And now we finally are seeing exports beginning. Tell us what you're seeing on the ground and how that's starting to affect changes. Well, let's start with a little bit of context, right? So Colombia opens up uh, the possibility of a, a legal cannabis industry in 2016, right. initially with a medicinal focus. Then, as in many countries in Latin America that, that follow the civil law tradition, the regulations come, come afterwards uh, by decree. Yep. Yep. That decree took about a year to, to come into effect, and that was 2017. And then that decree um, vests with authority the different regulatory agencies that actually come and make specific regulations. And so that mm -hmm. um, period followed afterwards uh, with resolutions coming into effect between 2017 to 2018. So the industry only really gets started around 2018 uh, yep. with, with some counted exceptions of people that started a little bit before. Um, and, and you have a um, customary um, learning curve, number one. And number two, um, the whole process of starting to bring in genetics into the country or to find genetic, gen genetics that were in um, the illegal space and registering them and going through the motions to create a national register of cultivars, uh, which is a requirement here, um, so that the authorities could know what was being planted and how it was behaving in the country. So, um, you know, with all that said, we start around 2018, um, 2019, you start to see also a lot of investment, as you mentioned, especially in the development of extraction capabilities. The first decree that we had, which was Decree 613, did not allow Colombia to export flour, which right. was very surprising to us in, in the industry, considering that that was Colombia's and is main competitive advantage. And it um, was what the government represented to a lot of the companies that were investing, that it was what where they were going. So it was a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so... To, to come back to that, um, the reason for that, um, in hindsight, was probably that enabled to pass the law in 2016 with a medicinal focus, flour just, you know, uh, pardon the pun, smelled too much like pot, right? right. And so um, the, the, the congressmen uh, and, and, and the people that were drafting the, the legislation wanted something that seemed a lot more farmer, right? So think uh -huh. about somebody in, in, you know, the blue lab coats with uh, the glasses and, uh, and, 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 you know, all of the gear uh, that you would think about a, a highly sophisticated farm operation. And so that's kind of how it was sold. And that's why we believe that that restriction initially took place. But well, and some of the regulators also um, 
felt that the entire process from grow through extraction and conversion into APIs and manufacturing should happen in Colombia so that the IP developed there and would then ship to the world. But that's a big step for any country to move and change in a marketplace. Yeah. So there was also this kind of misconception that if we did not um, make companies invest in the extraction um, capabilities, that we would be giving up added value in, mm-hmm. in the value chain. Um, and, and this is kind of from fears that uh, history would repeat itself like it had in, in other crops, like uh, coffee, for instance, where mm-hmm. Colombia ended up exporting raw materials rather than high value add finished products. Right. But what we had to explain um, to the government was that, you know, there, in my opinion, is no higher value add than exporting flour as a finished product. Mm-hmm. Um, you can That's capture where the market the, is, right? Exactly. You can capture the entire market. And, and the other thing is, even if Colombia, you know, um, developed an amazing extraction capability, uh, we would also be giving up a very large market um, and we would be ignoring that extraction facilities exist in the United States, in Germany, in Israel, in Australia, and in other places. And so we would be giving up on biomass, which, yes, it's, it's the export of a raw material. But, um, you know, even if Colombia did great in extraction, it, would be, it wouldn't be reasonable or realistic to think that we would uh, have all of the extraction capability in the world. So just really didn't make sense as a policy. And so uh, we started this, this um, campaign of actually uh, talking to all of the government uh, entities that were involved in regulating the sector. There's a lot of them in Colombia. We have the Ministry of Justice that oversees cultivation. We have the Ministry of Health that oversees extraction. We have the Ministry of Agriculture oversee uh, the registrar of cultivars and, and the carrying out of field trials. And we have the National Narcotics Control Board oversee anything that has to do with controlled substances. And so there was a, a big movement to, to show the government that, um, number one, um, the highest uh, sold and prescribed finished product for medicinal cannabis worldwide was flour as a finished right. product, right? So you look at Germany, it's over 50%. You look at Israel, it's over 80%. Australia, it's close to that. Canada for medicinal cannabis, uh, for what it's worth, is around 70%. Uh-huh. And so, so that was point number one. Um, and then point number two was actually explaining that Colombia, um, having all of the natural competitive advantages that it has for cultivation, uh, was in the best position to capture all of that margin by exporting um, this, this presentation and this type of product. Yeah, and th- you know, that's been a... A long conversation with the government and we all can you know in the industry it's it's pretty intuitive to us but it doesn't necessarily translate across to everybody else who isn't as familiar with the market but you know Colombia is in a very advantageous position as a supplier to the world and now with exports starting it's also going to be felt in the marketplace beyond um, you know that advantage What's Asil Kalkana looking at doing with regards to establishing a global brand? Just as, you know, Colombia did a global brand around uh, coffee, and you mentioned that was, you know, there was some good and some bad around it, but the reality is people look for, com- seek out Colombian coffee for a reason. How's Asil Kalkana looking at that for the market? So that's a, a great question. Um, and I think now that we have a new government, it's something that we can dive into as a trade association 
um, into deeper depth, right? So the, the prior government, which had a more conservative profile, was very concerned about Colombia's reputation in the world. Mm-hmm. And so very hesitant to get into other segments than the medicinal one, um, and very slow to open up to the fact that worldwide, cannabis is not only being legalized at a, a medicinal level, but also uh, for use in dietary supplements, uh, food and beverage, uh, animal feed products. And, An ever-expanding um, set of products, right? I mean, it's incredible. Exactly. And, and adult use, right? Now we yep. have, we, we finally have, you know, Chuck Schumer filed the, the bill in the Senate. You know, th- we had had bills before in the, the House of Representatives, but they got stuck in the Senate in the United States. So that's, you know, even though there's a, a lot of uh, cloth to cut there, um, it's, a, it's a signal of, of growing momentum towards adult use legalization. And I would say the same about what's going on in Germany, right? They're preparing, government coalition has um, said that they will file a bill to legalize adult use sometime in Q4. Um, You know, I've heard October, um, that'll probably take a couple of years to become reality. But when you have the largest economy in the world, uh, in the United States, and the largest economy in Europe, moving in the same direction, then there's a lot more room for Colombia to um, maybe look at embracing um, some of the things that it's famous for and turning a negative into a positive. Absolutely. And let's come back to that after we take a short break. We'll be back in a moment with Camillo de Guzman from the chairman of Vessel Colcana on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Camillo de Guzman from uh, Asol Kalkana and Natuera. And Camillo, just before the break, we're talking a bit about Germany and the U.S. And, you know, the U.S. marketplace from a federal legalization, everybody hopes it's going to be tomorrow. A lot of people um, think it's still years off. And no matter what it is, it's going to be a, there's going to be a time period. But the export market and the manner in which we ship product, of course, you know, that's going to continue. And it's governed still today by the U.N. Treaty, where the product needs to be shipped internationally as a medical product, but medical is defined by the receiving country. So once it's in country, medical can mean anything from wellness to general health to no matter what, as long as it's the receiving country definition. How are you looking at that? And how are you considering it in your planning of, you know, Natura's growth and then thinking about it for the market as a whole? So number one, I would highlight that um, Colombia has a new regulation, a new decree um, Mm -hmm. that updated the original one from 2017 that was passed in in late 2021. Right. Um, And two things happened there that were important. Number one, the government opened up flower exports, both as a raw material and a finished product, which is a very uh, significant step forward for, for the country's competitiveness in the cannabis industry at a global scale. And number two, it opened up what are called industrial uses, which is basically food and beverage, Uh uh, dietary supplements, and animal feed products. And it's called industrial uses for a reason. And and it's the the reason is that uh, industrial uses are also exempt from some of the convention's restrictions. That's right. Yep. Um, And and this, uh, you know, as a caveat, uh, applies only to non-psychoactive cannabinoids. So basically CBD and others. And and the hemp industry, which has also unfortunately been stalled in development, but really is well suited to a lot of the areas of agriculture and production in Colombia. 
Exactly. And so, and so, you know, the reason I mentioned this is because the United States having, um, you know, cannabis be federally illegal means that that market is off limits to Colombia unless it's for hemp or hemp derived products. Um, CBD isolate's been brought in a, a fair bit. Exactly. So, so I, I include CBD isolate in that bunch. So it's hemp okay. or any cannabinoids that come from hemp that meet the definition Perfect. under the farm bill. Um, and in Europe, um, you know, in, in Europe, it's, it's under the medical auspices, um, but there are many technical barriers that come into play in order to be able to access the European markets, mm-hmm. mostly concerned with quality certifications. And yes. so if you're shipping products to, to Europe, well, number one, if let, let's stay on hemp for a second. So hemp, um, the market for hemp is either cosmetics or um, wellness products, right? And wellness right. products are subject to novel foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, novel foods regulations in the UK uh, are a bit more clear, but the EU seems to have slammed the brake on, on review of applications. And so that market will be uh, somewhat slow to open up. Yes. Um, if you go to the psychoactive market in THC. And, and novel foods is a really big challenge and hurdle for companies as a whole because uh, one, you know, the definition of where the CBD products and the, you know, the cannabis products have to be integrated has moved around a bit and shifted on people over the last couple of years where, you know, a lot of times it's the finished product, but in this case, it's the finish plus the ingredient. Yeah, and that's difficult for, for a country like Colombia, whose initial uh, production capacity was focused on ingredients, right? Because, right. Um, you know, if let's take the, the UK example, um, you know, they set a cutoff date, right? And so yep. if you had a brand that was in market by that cutoff date, you could apply and you could, you know, stay in market essentially. Mm-hmm. But that products dossier is tied to an ingredients dossier and switching ingredients is difficult. So there's this rigidity built into the novel foods framework that will make it difficult for uh, ingredient suppliers from Colombia to to get into the market. So that leaves the option of developing finished products. And then you have to go through the whole um, set of requirements that, that are needed in order to get a novel foods authorization. So that's probably a few years away. The good thing, thinking big picture, is that that level of clarity, however difficult it is, will probably allow for more established companies to launch products in the European yes. market. And, and I think that's good for the industry as a whole as cannabinoids start becoming a CPG ingredient. And we start seeing this in, in different form factors, um, you know, in a product like a, a sports drink or uh, a nutritional um, beverage for adults or, or you know, senior people. Uh, and there's things a defined of that path, which in the past was always a challenge because the ground constantly moved. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and if we shift gears towards THC and the psychoactive market, um, you know, that's, that's still a, also a very rigid framework. Um, but Colombia having this edi- initial medicinal focus, um, I think has developed some incredible capabilities with respect to our quality management systems. Um, and with respect to creating products that are pharma-like. Um, and, um, you know, what, what needs to happen is now people getting certified for either GACP, for finished product uh, in the form of flour, uh, for some sort of GMP certification that may apply, or in the cases of, you know, either 
uh, ingredients, APIs, or finished products full EU GMP certification. Uh, and you know, we're seeing some companies that have been um, able to achieve these certifications initially. I expect others to come along, and as that happens, the competitive advantages of Colombia will mean that um, there will be a shift towards Colombian supply for the following reasons, I believe. Number one, the fact that we can produce all year round will um, basically do away with price and output seasonality. You know, in, in Colombia, it's, it's, it's not only a matter of we can grow four or five harvests a year. If you plan it right, you can be having constant output throughout the year, right? Exactly. So you can So you can get rid of croptober and uh, its effect on, on prices and uh, yep. uh, volume and seasonality. Um, and, and so that's good for planning and that's good for, for, for pricing. Um, but it's also very good for freshness if we're talking about um, flour, right? Because speaking to German pharmacies, um, you know, I, I asked them once, what, what is the biggest complaint about the product that you're currently selling? And they said, right. um, you know, in winter, they just, you know, we get the complaint that it's very dry and that it's not fresh. And right. so I think that will be an interesting advantage for Colombia, especially for, for flour as a finished product as terpene profiles uh, can be conserved. That's and right. They don't as, have to degrade over time, which is always a challenge. Exactly. And as consumers yep. start shifting away from this notion that the highest the THC, the better, um, mm -hmm. and they start appreciating the importance of a rich terpene profile for the cannabis experience. Yes, and the whole entourage effect and the reality thereof. And, you know, going back the, you know, I was really dogmatic when I was building my firm down there, which was, we're building, we're creating an agricultural product for a pharmaceutical market and uh, going through the certification process and making that the corporate culture is a key advantage for firms in Colombia that are going to service the market because also Colombia is able to produce at the scale that others aren't. And that's going to be needed by the CPG companies who are looking at large-scale rollouts because, you know, some of them, like, you know, when we talked about Coca-Cola a few years ago, their requirements on a test was more than a country of Canada produced an entire year. And that was just a test product. Colombia is one of the few places that can actually meet that challenge. Absolutely. And then I'll put on my, my Natuera hat. And, you know, part of the reason, um, you know, this company was started is it, it comes... It's, it's, it's a joint venture um, founded by local partners that mm -hmm. have experience in the fresh cut flower industry, like many companies down here. And that means, you know, um, high precision agriculture of perishable products at a very large scale. Right. Um, and it's process-based management. It's uh, precision agriculture. It's um, having SOPs that are constantly uh, being improved. Um, and there's also a very important component, which is, the starting material, right? The, the, the right. tissue culture operation um, that is needed in order to propagate these very large amounts of, of material in order to be able to meet uh, the needs of, of CPG scale operations. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, this, this very rich experience that Colombia has in, in producing uh, fresh cut flowers for export, which um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that two out of three fresh cut flowers sold in the United States or North America from, come from Colombia um, and that um, Colombia actually overtook California and Oregon and other states in the United States as the, the main producer of fresh cut flowers 
Well, in um, Holland too, Colombia is a massive supplier to Holland and people don't realize it when they always think of Holland as being a center of flower production. Exactly. And, 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 and we do it much cheaper here without sacrificing yep. quality. Um, you know, I, I remember at the beginning of uh, setting up our operations, our uh, Canadian partners um, were surprised of the, you know, with the construction cost of our greenhouses down here because they were used right. to something that was more uh, in the style of Holland with glass and something, you know, very expensive. But uh, we figured out how to do controlled environment greenhouses at a very uh, competitive prices um, yep. and having great quality output here in Colombia. Yep. No, absolutely. Colombia's industry is one that, you know, I, I always look at Colombia and Peru as being two that really will end up leading the world in this industry uh, uh, just because of the, not just because, but in large part because of the climate environmental uh, advantages that are key for this uh, product. Um, Camille, we do have to take one more short break, but we'll be back in a moment on The Green Peak with Camille de Guzman from Masokokana. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Camille de Guzman, who's the chair of Asuakana and also the EVP at Natura. And Camille, just, um, you know, as we look at the market in the future and the government changes, legalization isn't that's been occurring and the changes in the law that uh, have occurred aren't just about export, which is something the industry as a whole has been desperately waiting for, but it's also affecting um, the perspective on legalization for adult use within Colombia. And I know that in the news up in North America, there's been you know, a fair bit of coverage about the new president's uh, perspective on drugs and narcotics as a whole. And it's, it's a welcome breath of fresh air. How are you looking at the uh, domestic changes? So, so we see this as a, a very positive directional shift. Um, yep. and, and, you know, to give everyone in the audience a little bit of context, you know, Colombia has been uh, one of the main protagonists on the war on drugs under the current focus, which is a prohibitionist focus that has focused on uh, basically curbing supply. So, you know, eradication, interdiction, uh, drug seizures, et cetera. But, you know, what the world can evidently see is that demand hasn't really dropped. Right. And so, um, you know, there's been over the past decades growing calls for a new uh, focus or a new paradigm in, in, in the global war on drugs. And Colombia's new president actually made it a priority to talk about this during his inauguration speech. And um, if you look at that, you know, there's a, a couple of very interesting telltale signs uh, that, that will um, indicate the seriousness and, and the priority that, that this shift in policy uh, has for the government's agenda. And number one is uh, 20th of July, which is our national holiday. And when the yep. Congress uh, becomes installed, a, um, a bill was introduced to change the constitution, removing an article that prohibits um, cannabis, um, you know, and inhibits cannabis legalization for adult use. Right. Um, then uh, on August 5th, the, the weekend before the president's inauguration, a second bill was introduced into Congress by uh, Senator Gustavo Bolivar, who was the leader of the mm -hmm. president's coalition, um, seeking to legalize adult use um, and, you know, establish a license regime, et cetera, uh, like what we already have here for medicinal purposes. Um, and in addition to that, the government has indicated a willingness to ease on some of the local restrictions for the medical market and the 
um, food and beverage and dietary supplement market in order to create a domestic market for, for these products. And so all of that bodes uh, very well for Colombian companies in that, you know, we thus far, many of us have developed uh, production capacities and business plans tailored yep. towards servicing foreign markets. But now with an internal market, that will uh, certainly alleviate uh, some of the constraints that uh, companies in the sector have been having um, as international markets are slow to open up and, you know, regulations take some time to really uh, become uh, effective. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. And how does that affect the brand? So that's very interesting because if adult use um, ends up being something that, that opens up, Colombia has another um, set of interesting features um, that position it very well to create adult use product. And that's, we, we, we sit you know, on the equator um, traversed by the Andes Mountains. And what that means is that we have thousands of um, unique ecosystems um, that come with elevation changes, right? So That's right. if you're in Tons Colombia, of microclimates. exactly. If you're in Colombia at the beach, uh, you have tropical uh, Caribbean weather. But if you drive up a mountain for a few hours, you you will actually find Snow Peak Mountains, right? And mm-hmm. so um, every 300 feet or so, you have a different microclimate and that has allowed Colombia to produce some of the best small batch um, cultivation of coffee in the world. And, you know, one could think that for cannabis, it could also create some very interesting uh, products, right? And so one of the things coming back to your earlier question about a country brand that the trade association is looking at is uh, what are different jurisdictions and, and places of the world doing with respect to a denomination of origin or appellation of origin for mm-hmm. cannabis? Um, and that could become something very interesting for Colombia because um, there's a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot of different regions. Um, the soil, the conditions are very, very rich. Um, and there's also a lot of, um, you know, ethnic diversity in the country. Um, That's right. We're, we're a very diverse country. Um, and I think this could lead to um, kind of a, a movement of um, what you see in, in wines or craft beers of, of, of having small batch, uh, very interesting product, especially for flour that uh, people can enjoy. And I, you know, the reason I, I highlight the adult use market is because adult use is about an experience, right? And so That's right. people want a different experience every time, as opposed to CPG, where people want the same experience and for it to be uniform under a certain brand. Yep. Um, and so this just opens up a whole new realm of possibilities, and it's a very exciting time for the industry. Um, and we just uh, are very eager to, to work with the government in uh, crafting a responsible um, regulation uh, that, you know, where Colombia is able to take advantage of, of these uh, shifting winds in mm-hmm. a way that's consistent with, you know, civil liberties, public health, and which also honors its uh, obligations internationally. Yeah, and you know it's it's going to be interesting because the brand itself is going to have to be powerful as an ingredient in um, other people's products as you go through the medical side, but also the same brand is going to have a consumer perspective with regards to the adult use market, and that's that's something which really hasn't had to be done in other industries where you're actually having to build a brand that's 
used both on the B2B and the B2B, B2C side in this way? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the fact that we started with medicinal and the fact that we started with a relatively rigid regulatory regime in terms of quality standards, um, you know, will allow us to, to give uh, CPG companies or pharma companies the peace of mind that they need and that this product is very reliable and produced according to uh, some very well-defined processes and yep. complying with all of their specifications. But in addition to that, you know, the adult use market will allow us to start telling stories that really let the world see what Colombia is all about, um, the biodiversity we have, the ethnic diversity we have, and, um, you know, uh, what a rich country it really is. Yes. And, and, you know, I know from experience what an amazing country Colombia is and uh, how it can dominate the world in this industry, um, not just with the environmental and climate in advantages, but the people. Uh, phenomenal people as a whole and uh, my time in Colombia has been nothing but enriching uh, Camille we are out of time for today but I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Green Peak thank you Richard it was a uh, great to be here and to share a little bit about what's going on in Colombia um, and you know um, happy to come back and, and tell you more as things evolve yeah I'd love to have you come back again on in a few months and uh, especially as we look at and uh, develop the branding and have more and more of the exports under everybody's belts so thank you and thanks to everybody for listening we'll be back again with you next week on the Green Peak I'm Richard Zwicky The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.